plot against the president was worse than we knew. According to an anonymous source, government operatives even formed an official committee to prevent the president from taking office. FBI and CIA leaders actively worked against the administration feverishly trying to destroy it. Combine these new facts with the upcoming 2020 vote and election integrity assumes primary importance to the future of the American Republic. Strap in tight because we're talking to that anonymous source today on The Rob Mana Show. Hey friends, you need to check out Mammoth Nation, America's conservative discount club. They're on a mission to get Trump reelected and keep liberal Democrats, otherwise known as socialists and communists, out of office. These guys really mean it, friends. I wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. Go to mammothnation.com. It's only $19 a year. Here's what you get. Great discounts on all sorts of products and services. You're automatically entered into the Mammoth Election Day sweepstakes. There's some great prizes for that, including a 65-inch Samsung TV. You're going to love this. I sure do. I'm a lifetime member. And if you become a lifetime member today, you get a free Trump flag and some other really cool items. Once again, that's mammothnation.com. So let's go. Join us now so we can win in November. intelligence community have been sounding the alarm about the plot against the Republic since late 2016, but it was actually worse than we realized. Recent revelations by an anonymous senior government source, including the declassification of key documents, have effectively ended any speculation about what really happened in 2016 and 2017 in regards to Donald Trump and allegations of Russian collusion. The story was a complete fabrication, folks. None of it was ever true. There really was a conspiracy, and we really did witness the first attempted coup in American history. Information uncovered within the last few days and weeks adds significantly to our understanding of the scope of the conspiracy and suggests strongly that subsequent to the election of Donald Trump, there was serious consideration given to simply not transferring power to the president-elect. According to the former senior Department of Defense official, that's the source, in the wake of Donald Trump's surprise victory in November 2016, a national intelligence estimate, that's NIE, was rushed through pushing the false Russian collusion narrative and asserting as the judgment of the entire intelligence community as a whole that the Russians had not only interfered in the election, but had done so in order to assist Donald J. Trump and help him become president. We have known for some time that this NIE was drafted and what we now know is considerably more about the highly unusual way in which it was drafted. And NIE is supposed to represent the consensus of the intelligence community known as the IC. 
It's created in a lengthy collaborative process involving working level analysts and experts and action officers. Only when the final version is effectively agreed upon and hammered out does the document make its way to agency heads for final approval. But that didn't happen in the case of this NIE. According to the senior official interviewed, this NIE was written by CIA Director Brennan, FBI Director Comey, and DNI Clapper. All work on the NIE was done at the top secret level with only a handful of people having access to what was written. Objections to the conclusions reached were dismissed summarily on the basis that Brennan, Comey, and Clapper had personally written the NIE findings and recommendations and would handle all interagency input themselves. In short, the conclusions had been preordained. There was no room for discussion. Around November 10, 2016, the senior official speaking out received a phone call in his office at the Pentagon on a secure phone. The call was from the Department of Defense Undersecretary's office that coordinated attendance and participation in interagency meetings at the White House, which are common. The call concerned planning for a short-fuse interagency meeting at the White House and it was explained that a new committee was being formed to finalize and establish the timeline and the storyline connecting Russia with the election of President Trump. This senior official had been named to be part of this new committee. During the phone call, it was explained to our source that one of the committee's taskings was to develop a plan to delay and or reschedule the inauguration of the President of the United States. While the official to whom the call was made ultimately deliberately avoided attending committee meetings, he did see some top secret email traffic later that showed significant interagency discussion of the possibility of not proceeding as scheduled with the peaceful transfer of power. Luckily, at some point, this idea appears to have been dropped in favor of proceeding with the strategy of creating an impeachment narrative falsely. But for months, apparently there was significant discussion of just not handing over the presidency to Donald Trump. The same committee is likely to have prepared the read-ahead documents for the now infamous January 5th, 2017 meeting in the White House, which formally endorsed this false impeachment narrative. Present at that meeting were President Obama, Vice President Biden, National Security Advisor Susan Rice, CIA Director Brennan, DNI Clapper, FBI Director Comey, and Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates. During this time frame, the source was also directly involved with the so-called Five Eyes intelligence sharing agreement involving the National Security Agency and its British counterpart, GCHQ, and other allied nations. The source saw directly that there was a significant spike, that's increase, in end-around intel. That's a special term, end-around intel sharing between GCHQ and NSA during this time period. The term end around is reference to the practice officially not sanctioned of using forward intelligence services to collect intelligence on American targets 
and evade the legal restrictions on doing so that control NSA and other U.S. intelligence agencies. Friends, in many cases, this was done by simply having British personnel print hard copies of reports and then simply, quote, leave them, unquote, on a tabletop in a common NSA GCHQ work environment where they could be discovered by NSA personnel. The increase in the amount of this end-around reporting coincided precisely with the time frame in which we now know law enforcement and intelligence agencies focus their attention on members of the Trump campaign illegally. Given that fact, it is at a minimum highly suspicious and more than possible that this mechanism was being employed to help with what we now know to be politically motivated targeting by individuals associated with Donald Trump, his campaign, and the incoming administration. For at least three years, we were fed the lie that Trump was in bed with the Kremlin and deserved to be removed from office just for that. His election wasn't legitimate. He was the, the real-time, real-life Manchurian candidate. When that was exposed as a lie, the backers of the original narrative shifted gears to the whole matter should be dropped. To the extent there was any wrongdoing, it concerned the misconduct of just a handful of overzealous mid-level personnel. Change some regulations, tighten up uh, procedures, and move on. All of that was a lie, too. Every day, we see additional evidence that makes that crystal clear. When we have reached the point where an outgoing president and his subordinates are seriously planning not to hand over power to the president-elect, we are standing on the precipice. This is no longer about partisan politics, folks. This is about the very real possibility of losing this democracy, this republic. The Romans went for centuries living in democratic system based on the rule of law, and they woke up one day to discover that they lived in an empire and that powerful forces in the capital city made the call regarding who their emperor was. We may be far closer to that day than we realize. We will reveal the identity of the anonymous senior official at the center of this tale on the show today because he is also an expert on election integrity and immediate priority due to the election on November 3rd. Well, friends of the Rob Mana Show, we have a special guest today. It's retired United States Army Colonel and former senior Department of Defense official and uh, senior member of the Committee on the Present Danger China, John Mills. John, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you, Rob. It's always an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Well, let's dive right into this. Uh, so confirm for our viewers that you were the anonymous source for our friends over at AND Magazine and their story about the actual group of government employees that established a formal official committee that planned not to inaugurate President Donald J. Trump in 2017. Is that accurate? Uh, that is accurate. I found myself in the middle of that. I wasn't trying to be in the middle of that. I was didn't want to be in the middle of that. But um, yeah, several key events here. Uh, I do have uh, uh, 
25 plus pages. I've had to make an amendment in front of uh, uh, Durham's investigation here because of mm -hmm. a number of things that uh, came up during my tenure that, uh, you know, that I realized were, were relevant to Durham's investigation. Um, you know, I, I retired in uh, uh, February of 2018, but there was a whole number of things. But that the critical thing that uh, uh, made me uh, do an amendment to my submission already was two critical events. It was two critical memos that John Ratcliffe had declassified. And the first was his memos that showed that in, uh, I believe it was July and September, that by Comey's personal notes, he knew the Russia story was fake. He knew that. That's fact. The yeah. second thing was that uh, Comey, so that was Brennan, then Comey uh, was also, so Comey was told that the whole Russia story uh, was, uh, and, and that was, uh, I think it was June, July, September, uh, uh, those months in, uh, there. Um, they're in the letters, they're, they're public, they're out there. Yeah. So Comey and Brennan knew these were fake stories created by the Clinton campaign. Yeah, and then an, another memo was released, and that showed um, the advancement of the Intel community assessment after the election. And ICA is a formal function. I was one of the senior DOD reviewers that essentially prepared the action package for the Secretary of Defense's signature on that. And I'm, I realized, oh my goodness, that means the ICA was fake. That's incredible. Wow, a, a it is incredible. I, I've been writing. Uh, you you know my background. Uh, just for our viewers, both the uh, Colonel Bills and I uh, were both uh, uh, at the senior level in the intelligence community in different aspects. Mine's more. Mine was more aviation type operational uh, than that. But I understand uh, what was going on. And I've been writing about the ICA, the Russian ICA that was used. Uh, to say that Putin was trying to win the election for Trump and all of those things since late 2016 and early 2017, January 2017, because it didn't smell right to me. And I have no access to classified like you did at the time, John. And, and, and I'm glad that you're, you're coming forward. Uh, uh, but what was your, can you identify what position you were in in the Department of Defense when all this well, was occurring and you saw it? I was in the Office of Secretary of Defense. I was the Director of Cybersecurity Policy, Strategy, and International Affairs. Wow. And this ICA came in. I read it. I was just I was just the designated lead. Now, every, everybody in the Pentagon is an action officer, no matter what your rank is. You can be a general. You're an action yep. officer. That's right. Um, so it was part of my duty, along with several others, is to prepare the action package for the Secretary of Defense's uh, signature. So with the release of the Ratcliffe memos here that showed... Comey and Brennan factually knew it was fake. Fake. That's now fact. Okay? Yeah. Then they talked about the ICA, which, which means, oh, my goodness, that was a fake ICA. So when it came in, I didn't know that. Probably a number of people didn't know that. Um, but what, I, what happened was, and this is very critical, was um, I started to staff it. I looked, I read through it. I read through the top secret document. Nothing I'm saying is top secret, but just mm -hmm. I read through the body and I'm going, hold it. What's in the body does not support the conclusion 
in, uh, on front on the executive summary. And this is essentially what I was told was, Comey and Brennan are personally, personally, hands on keyboard writing the cover memo and the executive summary, which is uh, unusual. We don't, di directors <laughs> and secretaries of departments and agencies don't personally write executive and, summaries. And just, just how unusual for, is that for a national intelligence estimate that's going to go to the president eventually for those two guys to be personally writing? Yeah, it's, it's like saying the president is personally writing the memo on the Easter egg hunt on the South Lawn here. All right. Wow. We don't, we don't, that doesn't happen. So bottom line, what I was told was uh, curtail staffing, SecDef is going to go ahead and sign it out because Comey and Brennan are personally pending this. SecDef is going to sign this out and concur. But that means that is a false statement. Now we have a crime. It's no longer a difference of opinion. It's no longer a feeling. It's no longer philosophical uh, differing viewpoints. We have a crime. We have 18 U.S. Code, Section 1001, a false statement by a federal official. That applies to both uniform, that applies to civilian. We yeah. both, take, both, both take oaths of office. We have a crime. Comey and Brennan pushed a fake document, unbeknownst to at least me. I didn't realize I was reviewing a fake document. I don't even know how to categorize that. I've never, I don't think there's a historical precedent for something of this magnitude. Now, now also, wow. this is also very important. On the 10th of November, I was called, so the, the election was on the 8th. I was called on the 10th of November on the classified phone uh, by a senior, uh, a senior official, and they said, John, we need your help. We want you to be on this working group forming at the White House and uh, we're going we're gonna to finalize the Russian narrative. Uh, this is essentially, I'm, I'm only slightly paraphrasing here. We're going to finalize the Russian narrative, and we're going to plan to potentially delay the inauguration. So essentially begin a planning process for contingencies on delaying the inauguration. I just said, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. And, well, that, and that's, that's explosive right there, John. I mean, that's incredibly uh, a, a step that, that, I mean, you and I have worked in government for many, many years and decades, and, and, and I've worked in the White House, at the White House and with the White House and at the highest levels of the Pentagon like you have. That's absolute, I can't even think of the right pejorative adjective to use for that level of craziness. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, this was... And it was a careerist, a career personnel uh, person who called me, but I will use the expression over and over again. They were giddy with excitement over this. We got Trump. And it was like, this guy's a careerist talking to me. I'm a careerist, okay? I yeah. Mean, I serve, I take an oath, and I serve regardless of whoever the president is. I swore, I took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, not an individual president, the Constitution. But that implies you follow, you, you are agnostic, professional, nonpartisan. This person yeah. is with excitement that we're going to get Trump. Well, you know, I was, I was pondering retirement at the time. I said, this is, this is sheer insanity. Um, I, in the end, I did not attend these meetings. I avoided these meetings. They called me a number of times. 
the voicemail probably is still on the classified phone because uh, I did not return any any calls. They called me multiple times, and I was on all the top secret mail tra uh, email traffic that shot back and forth, most of which I didn't want to even look at because I didn't wow. want to be culpable in part of this. But I did take a peek at a few, and it was kind of hard when I'm, I'm doing classified work and these emails go flying by. But So that's critical. So it's factually established. Comey and Brennan knew the story was fake. It's factually established. They ran a fake Intel community assessment fully embracing the Clinton campaign hoax, okay? A planning process was started. Now, all of this, the ICA and that group that was stood up prepared the recommendations for the infamous 5 January meeting at the White House. That's where President Comey, Strzok, Rice, Brennan, I wasn't at that meeting, but essentially it, it appears uh, what happened. Again, my group that I was invited to prepared the read ahead for that meeting and the oh. recommendations. So, so what looks like happened is they, they made a decision on 5 January, we ain't got enough, punt, mm -hmm. move to impeachment fraud. So this is a full-blown coup. Nothing less than a coup, an unlawful coup, and uh, one of the one of the people who has not been really publicly identified so far, but it and is really one of the ringleaders of this whole uh, this whole effort. Uh, I happened to run into him uh, the morning after the election, and in the halls of the Pentagon, I was going to get coffee, ran into him, and he was just a zombie. He was just he was a mess. And, but I talked to him at length, and I, you know, I was, I, I always tried to be nonpartisan, uh, you know, agnostic, professional. I wasn't taking sides, and I, I actually kind of liked the guy. And there's a lot of stuff I didn't find out till later of what this person was up to. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of respect for him at the time, but you know, now I realize he, he in many ways was the ringleader of the coup. And this person, you know, was very—I don't want to say the position, but they were going to be a very, very senior position. Uh, if the election had gone the other way, but I talked to them and they they were shell shocked. They were just they were and, and the whole point they were going to be in a position to make sure all this information went away. Wow. So so the January fifth meeting you were talking about is that the same one that Vice President Biden was in? Yeah, I believe he was. I, I don't have the uh, exact list of attendees. But my understanding, I believe he was also at that meeting. So he was he was privy and part of this. Did he know that Strzok and or, or Comey and Brennan were pushing a false story? I don't know. But mm -hmm. uh, holy smokes, guys! You know when your direct report is running a fraud on this scale, uh, it's kind of hard to believe that he didn't know about it. Oh well. Just the read-ahead document, if it still exists somewhere, uh, would be a treasure trove of facts that could help establish the real truth around that meeting, which I've suspected uh, for a long time, considering the uh, protective email that Susan Rice, uh, National Security Advisor, sent to herself just before noon on Inauguration Day, uh, saying the president told us to do everything by the book, basically, President Obama. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and uh, so so that getting getting somebody's hands on that read ahead and hopefully uh, it can be found uh, would be very very interesting. You mentioned uh, uh, Mr. Durham, uh, who is the uh, U.S. attorney that's been tasked with with investigating the predicate for Crossfire Hurricane, the, uh, the so-called counterintelligence investigation on the Trump campaign and later the administration, et cetera. Uh, and uh, uh, where is he involved in all this at this point? Well, you know, I don't know. You know, law enforcement investigations are by their nature uh, supposed to be uh, privileged, confidential, law, what's yeah. called law enforcement sensitive. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny when uh, they're investigating one party, uh, there's leaks every every few seconds. When they're investigating yeah. the other party, silence. Uh, I'm just of good faith that uh, I think very highly of, of A.G. Barr. Uh, I, I think highly of, of Mr. Durham. I, I'm just going to err on the side that they're doing things right and properly. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not totally convinced they're going to come out with the decisive, but all these things together are just revealing more and more and more and more. And now we have all of the, the Hunter, uh, the debacle on several fronts. Yeah. This is all, Essentially, this 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 rises to high crimes here. Uh, what was going on? And so, I'm assuming Durham is running this properly. They've been, you know, they they formally signed off all, on all my documents here and and okay. all those things. Uh, I'm just assuming they are doing the right thing. But you never you never you're not supposed to know. In fact, if you know yeah. what's know what going on, something's wrong here. So, so somebody in my status, I'm not supposed to know the status of what's going on, other than you know they have all my information, they have no further questions, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the exact their strategy, who they're going to indict, who they're going to go after, yeah, I'm not supposed to know that kind of stuff. I shouldn't know that kind of stuff. Well, and we shouldn't know that. I, I just wanted to confirm for the audience that you have given this information formally to the Durham investigation. They've signed off as accepting everything. They don't have any more questions for you. Correct. Can we say that? Absolutely. Wow. That, that is just incredible, John. Uh, so, so getting back to Comey and Brennan, so it looks like they knew that the Russia thing was a hoax in July... 2016. Yeah, they push, yeah, they, they push a falsified ICA intelligence community assessment of the Russia involvement in the election. I can't come to any other conclusion with the facts present, and that's where I had to amend and add three additional pages to my submission to to, to Durham. Mm-hmm. Because that jogged my memory when I saw the declassified notes of Ratcliffe that um, about the ICA. So I saw yeah. it was very important. Uh, uh, Brennan knew in July it was fake. I believe it was, uh, you know, August or September, Comey knew they were fake. So they're very, very important. Yeah. But when you brought up the ICA, I'm going, oh my goodness, that validates, I had not put that in, that I was part of that ICA review. Because now... With the known information, I'm going, 
I was reviewing a fake package, a fake document with a fake thesis. This is unprecedented in American history at this scale, at this level. Yeah, and you're you're confirming my three years now of writing about that document uh, and this situation, really, John, that, that uh, those of us with ex intelligence experience but not access to classified we're calling it, you know, the honest brokers in this this community. We're calling it suspect, uh, and uh, I'm sure I've called it a fake at some point or another. But it's good to see that it's been confirmed that this was a fake intelligence community assessment. That is another one of those. I cannot think of the adjective uh, that's strong enough to having having worked as an action officer in developing national intelligence estimates. Uh, several times in my career uh, at all levels, uh, from mid-level to senior, you know, uh, action officer. I'm just stunned that they were able to pull it off and the Secretary of Defense would go along with it. But knowing how bureaucracies work, you know, uh, having been an action officer before, if the two directors are going to be supporting it and saying it's good to go, uh, then he's going to, whoever the secretary is of defense is going to sign on to that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, did Ash Carter know? Did his chief of staff know? I don't know. But we know Comey and Brennan knew it was fake, and they still pushed it. And again, I was told, cease and desist, good enough on the staffing, SecDef is going to sign because, again, Comey and Brennan are personally hands-on keyboard finishing the, the, the cover memos here, which is unprecedented in itself. Um, but this shows the level you know, of personal responsibility they had in pushing this fraud. They knew they were toast if this got out here. So they were gonna ram this thing through. It shows a total surrender of character, of ethics for them to do, conduct this, because they knew they had faked everything and they still rammed it through. How many other people were in on it? I don't know. But now I realize, I, and that's where I had to self-report, is, okay, I, now I can validate. Now I realize this was a fraudulent document. And, and again, I just, when I read it, I, you know, I, when I get packages like this, as busy as I am, I yeah. read through it. I yeah. read through it. And I, I said, I'm sorry. You know, the, the outcome was, Trump colluded, Russia uh, interceded, and Trump, essentially Trump colluded here. And I'm going, okay, that's, that's a pretty serious uh, uh, upfront statement. Let's look at the documents. And there's, the unclass version dated 6 January has been released. And mm -hmm. that's, the, but you have a, a top secret version, but I'm, I'm reading the top secret version. I'm going, I'm sorry, the body does not match the headline. As simple yep. as that. And so I'm just bringing up a intellectual, trying to be intellectually honest, a point of order. This is basic grammar writing and, and writing here. The mm -hmm. headline does not match the body. Body does not match the headline. Point of order. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. Because, you know, Comey's team, led by McCabe, one Andrew McCabe, who's been fired for lying to the... Department of Justice IG, Inspector General, uh, pushed to have the Steele dossier that now, now we know it's fake, uh, 
uh, Steele dossier, more than likely the subsource was a uh, well, he was suspected of being a Russian agent years before this happened, and the FBI uh, knew it but didn't tell the FISA court uh, when they went for the FISA application on Carter Page uh, so they could get a line of surveillance into the Trump campaign uh, and, uh, and everything. So, so we know that they pushed the fake parts of the Russia hoax uh, the, into that ICA. Uh, and it had to settle on it being an appendix because somebody at the CIA said, no, no, <laughs> no, yeah. we, uh, you know, uh, we don't have the right stuff to put it as a, in the main body, but it got in there. Uh, yeah. and I, I remember reading the unclassified version. I go, you know, there are some small things in here that I can recognize that are disconnects. So I can't imagine what the top secret version of it shows. Uh, it confirms what I knew is that it was off and, and uh, yeah. likely not a good assessment. Well, this shows a total abandonment of character, of ethics, of morals. This was a haughty, imperious nature of the swamp and these senior leaders who felt entitled to essentially do whatever they wanted to do. And regardless of the facts, regardless of the unethical nature, doesn't matter. The ends justify the means. This is dangerous. And, and I, I think people have to be held to account for this, have to explain themselves. I think they do need to explain themselves. And it appears that it was partisan in, in nature, at least political in nature. If you look at the, uh, the uh, campaign that the Democrat candidate for president is running now, uh, they're using every aspect of the attacks that were created in the hoax to try to say that this guy's got to go, he's a disaster, he's destroying the country, when in actual fact, that, from my perspective, they're the ones that have been dividing and destroying the country for many decades now. And it also really concerns me, was, do you think Mueller was involved in all this stuff uh, once he became the special counsel? I mean, or... Uh, is there any indication that that effort, uh, that he was involved or, I mean, what I know about it now, uh, today is that, that his underlings, his deputy and below, uh, were obviously corrupt and one of them's, uh, going to go to jail for, I think, uh, and has uh, pled guilty to a crime. Uh, do you think that he was involved though, uh, I, I don't know, uh, kind of like one of the candidates for presidency. My memory of, you know, the, the climax of the, uh, when Mueller went in front of, I believe it was Congress, uh, he was pretty unimpressive, okay? He did yeah, not have a good command of the facts and the situation. It was rather uh, 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 counter-climax here, um, and it really reflected uh, a staff that was partisan, had a predetermined conclusion, and was desperately looking for information to support their predetermined conclusion. This is not the way law, uh, a legal operation should be run. This is not the way prosecution should be run. We, we need to reset the nature of 
of these, the law, federal law enforcement environment, um, environment, the intelligence community environment. These, these were, and it wasn't just politicals. These were careerists who were out of control. I mean, it, in, in many ways, the swamp, Washington, D.C., is kind yeah. of, uh, you know, predominantly a, a, a left Democrat leaning. I'm not being partisan here. I'm, I'm actually being just quite reflective of truth here. Um, mm-hmm. If you talk to a lot of the participants here, they it's funny the responses you would get. Some of them would actually say, well, no, I'm actually a conservative. No, I'm actually a Republican. But if you <laughs> look at their behavior, I'm sorry, they, they're, their God is big government. And it doesn't, yeah. truth, facts are irrelevant. Um, give me the person, I'll figure out the crime. And that's Stalinism. And- yeah, and this story and the facts that you've revealed really uh, lay out the scene setter for you know folks' fear and concern about the unelected part of the United States government being out of control. You know, which a few years ago I would have waved off as conspiracy theory, but now I've seen enough facts and enough truth to know that. Hey, there are some people that are civil servants in the United States government that actually have tried to take down a president of the United States that was elected by the Electoral College and the people uh, of the United States of America. Uh, and they continue really to try to do it. Even that's what this political campaign on the on the other side is all about. I hate to even say it's a Democrat because it feels like to me, it smells like to me, it's the a uh, whole of government from a bureaucrat perspective uh, that's trying to get uh, behind uh, President Trump's opponent uh, and say, you know, we've got to get back on track so that we're in control uh, and stop this guy from dismantling all of our power and giving it back to the American people. That's what I'm seeing from it. So it really concerns me that we have government officials uh, that I've had the ethics training too and and uh, have lived by my oath to the Constitution, both in and out of uniform. And they're supposed to also, but they haven't. Clearly, they haven't done that. Uh, And uh, we need to find a way to hold them accountable and reform this government so this can never happen again, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. We need to reset the entire environment. Uh, Because, again, most of these, uh, and and most of them are well-meaning. I would say most of them are honest. But... There is this inclination that no matter what the question is, the answer is more government, more bureaucracy, more process. And, and that's just, that is wrong. We're, they're not in their seat to grow government. But after a number of years, I, I realize that that is in many ways, uh, if you look at behaviors and actual outcomes, it really, the, the instinct for many, once you're inside the bureaucracy, once you've been seasoned and experienced after a while, many default to an immediate inclination to expand government powers, expand the reach of government, expand, grow government. The sign of success is how, what empire did you build when you left that office? And it just... Uh, we've got to reset this whole mentality here because, again, the person who called me on the classified phone was a careerist, not a political. I'd had a lot, lots of interactions with the politicals, but this was a careerist. And again, 
they were giddy with excitement. We got Trump. And it's like, holy smokes, who is we? This is, and that's, uh, yeah, this is, and that's much more dangerous than the political types even going through the impeachment process and all that, which I thought was uh, uh, laughable. Uh, but the, it, it's the it's the careerists, uh, both military officers like this Vindman guy uh, and careerists uh, that were giddy uh, in, a, in the in the thought that they could finally get Trump and everything. That's very dangerous, much more dangerous than any other thing I can think of for a liberal repu democratic republic like the United States to have to face, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is dangerous, and we have to be intellectually honest on these matters with each other. Um, but the, the problem is with, with the large bureaucracy is your, your instinct, if unchecked, if you have no moral starting point, if you don't have a known moral starting point, well, how can you even assess whether something is moral or immoral? And the, the challenge is, in many ways, we've evolved to an environment, people are in, the, in this environment are not necessarily immoral, mm -hmm. to, they're amoral. There's a difference, okay? Amoral means you don't even know what morals are. Now, again, a lot of people would argue with, oh, I know what morals are. Oh, yeah, yeah. really? Well, let's talk about that. Well, once you talk to them, it's really, they don't have a known starting point, a belief system. Yeah, God forbid yeah. somebody actually has a, a faith-centered known starting point. You know, their, their known starting point is government, and the job is to protect, sustain, grow, government. That's not in the Constitution, as far as I know. It's not in the oath of office, as, as best as I know. Not at all. And that leads me up to the immediate concern that I have, and that's for this upcoming election that's really going on right now, John. And, uh, uh, and I know you've done, a, you've done a lot of work, and I, this is another reason why I wanted you to come on today, was to talk about the work uh, that you've done and uncovered in uh, investigating election integrity, uh, it, because uh, we have some concerns, you know. This election really is about what we've been talking about. It's about the, it's about the government and big government on one side of the ballot, uh, and the American people uh, having the power they're supposed to have on the other side of the ballot. To me, uh, personified by these two two men, Biden and Trump. Uh, so this election coming up, I'm I'm very concerned. I mean, I'm seeing ballot boxes set on fire. In major cities like in Boston, not long ago, uh, mail, you know, ballots being thrown in the ditch, as the president uh, said. Uh, and uh, that's just what you see. So you know there's a lot more going on uh, than that. Uh, I mean, where do we stand at this point? And, and uh, I know that foreign countries are uh, involved, and, but nobody ever talks about the one that I think is most involved, and that's China. Yeah, it's it's out of control. I stood up the I, it was originally the Virginia Election Integrity Task Force, but it rapidly expanded to the National Election Integrity Task Force because I was so fed up with the abject, feckless behavior of the Republican Party in Virginia that had the, the Democrats just run circles around them with mm -hmm. voter registration fraud. And I looked into it, and I established the exact method of fraud in Virginia to achieve 12% unlawful uh, on, on the rolls here. And that's by the data provided by 
the Virginia court system and the Virginia election rolls. We have 12% unlawful. This is not opinion here. It's 18 U.S. code. You have to be a U.S. citizen to vote, period. And a discussion. Yeah. If you have passions, feelings, emotions on what it should be, great. The law is you have to be a U.S. citizen to vote, period. It's a failure of the Republicans to identify that. It's the Democrats for running the tables on this uh, and unlawfully doing this. And uh, it's the failure of Department of Justice to enforce 18 U.S. Code. So on, on election integrity, summing it up to these points here, it's very simple. Nationwide elections are local. They are run by you. They're run by me. They're run by the U.S. Yeah. citizens. We need to have more involved citizens as sworn election officials. And that's what just blows my mind. The party systems normally don't even understand what a sworn election official is. But I say, everybody, it's probably not too late. Call your county. Look on your county website. I guarantee you there's a call for sworn election officers. Those are the ones who are behind the counter running the process. But three points of yeah. fraud. You know, again, every fraud is different in every state. You have to uh, focus and target and be specific about every state because it's different in every state. But you know uh, the basics are fraudulent registration, which is a pervasive problem state by state. In Virginia, the voter ID law was a disaster. It made it easier to fraudulently register. I blame the Republicans. It was their law. They also wrote the implementing uh, regulations and guidelines. Disaster. Nobody with their brain turned on actually red teamed what the law said, and then how to implement it. It was a disaster. So fraudulent registration. The second thing, and this is actually common across all 50 states, is the mysterious, unknown nature of what I call the election service companies. Uh, companies. Every single state uses an election service company. There's about eight to 10, eight are listed on the Federal Election Commission's website. Every one of those has foreign ownership. Every one of those, every single state wow. uses, uh, hosts their election data. They host, process, and tabulate overseas. This is crazy. Nobody even knows this or understands this because there's actually no federal law to know this. The FEC is just, they don't, they don't know the architecture of most of these actual IT infrastructures for these states. They don't know it. DHS, honestly, I'm sorry, they don't know it either. Um, there's no federal law and there's really no state law that, that election data has to stay inside U.S. sovereign territory. I think that should be a federal law. You know, there, yeah. there's actually very little federal law on the conduct of elections and nor should there be. But I think that is one point. U.S. election data has to stay inside sovereign U.S. territory. Right now, it is not. And I very few, if any, states have any clue as to their IT infrastructure and where where uh, votes are stored, processed, tabulated. Now, right, just to be clear second. for just to be clear for the audience, so we're talking about the data where someone has cast their vote. Even that data is outside of the sovereign territory of the United States. Uh, yeah, this is a gross. This is a gross simplification because every state and even within states, yeah. there's differences here. But basically, yeah. uh, your data is aggregated essentially at the machine level, which may be linked internally and aggregated 
What mm -hmm. we have studied and found out is usually there's a thumb drive transfer from that aggregated part of the network to essentially a tabulation side of the network. So you take the mm. data from essentially the voting machines aggregated at different quantities, levels, yeah. uh, and, and things like that. Thumb drive comes over to this other, uh, the tabulation and storage side of the house. That's where it touches the big internet. Okay, that's wow. where, where do those electrons go? They go overseas. The, the, the Kentucky election for governor was totally fraudulent last fall. That data was stored, processed, and tabulated by Seidel in Spain. That's been factually established. Those numbers were changed. Yeah, but failure of Republicans to understand what was going on, failure of Republicans to establish two-person, you know about two-person control, yeah. two-person yeah. control of the thumb drives and understanding how to validate data sets. And they didn't know enough about how to petition the U.S. attorney for Kentucky and, uh, and demand a, a, an 18 U.S. code investigation here. So, so there. So that's the second thing. The okay. third major point of fraud is uh, the ballot harvesting and mail-in frauds, where uh, if there is not a, a legal signature to attest you are who you say you are in front of a sworn election official, uh, I would say those votes should be essentially thrown out there. Because there's no way, this is precious, this is important. We can't have just a signature with no, there has to be an enforcement mechanism here. So, and they always say, well, hey, the president votes uh, by mail. And no, the, no, the president doesn't do that. The, the, the president votes by absentee, where there is a legal yeah. attestation. Okay. Absolutely. A, an absentee ballot has a legal attestation that is a felony if you violate it. Okay. So ballot harvesting, mail-in, oftentimes do not have that legal attestation. Yeah. And that's a... Uh... That's a danger. What can we tell citizens to look for that might uh, give them reason to report something around? Well, uh, it, dude, I, I say the number one issue is failure of citizens to become involved as sworn election officials. In, in Virginia, uh, we're not a 70-30 state, but you know, very few Republicans or non-Democrats volunteer to be sworn election officials. And I don't blame the Democrats for that. I blame the yeah. rest of the citizens who are, I'm sorry, they assume somebody else is taking care of the election. And they're right. Somebody else is taking care of the election. That's a bad thing. We need concerned, yeah. involved citizens. I so agree with that. Become a sworn election official. A poll watcher, no, the parties are, are just uh, ignorant of this. And whenever I would beat up the Republican Party in Virginia, they'd always say, well, we have poll watchers. All right, a yeah. poll watcher is not a sworn election official. They don't even understand what a sworn election official is. So, Absolutely. You know, they'd say, and, and, and the poll watcher, unless they know the process to challenge and make a legal claim on the spot, they're worthless. So, so, and again, in Virginia, the point of fraud is the registration. So, you know, it, it's almost pointless to have an election in Virginia because the fraud's already taken place. So you have an yeah. election, the fraud took place months ago. So Yeah, that's the bad, that's the bad part about two of these pieces and a, and, a, and a piece of the third is that all of it can take place before some election day. Yeah, I mean, in Virginia, now, Rich Anderson's the new chair of the GOP. I hope he turns things around. 
But, you know, they have, the, 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 the Republicans have been totally feckless and incompetent in this area here. And I'm not going to pull any punches on it. Um, you know, they gave away the farm. They got outmaneuvered. And they didn't even know they were getting outmaneuvered. You know, I explained this to them for five years until I got so fed up and then just launched my own task force here. You know, and I'd explain this to yeah. them and they'd say, wow, that sounds bad. Somebody should do something about this. Well, yeah, yeah, somebody and somebody is us, the citizens. Yeah. And I, well, and John, yeah, this has been obviously in... not going to do something about it. So get them out yeah. of the way and let the citizens get involved. They just need to know that something needs to be done and we'll get that word to them. John, this has been an incredible uh, uh, episode today. I appreciate your time. How can folks find you if they want to follow what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Colonel Retired John on Twitter is the best. Uh, you know, or uh, uh, hang around the Committee on Present Danger and the uh, 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 Center for Security Policy websites. Uh, also, uh, Choose Freedom uh, is also a great website here. It has a, a great manual for the citizen on how to deal with uh, uh, social unrest and social violence that we're dealing right now, which is essentially yeah. a communist, uh, I'm sorry, it is a communist-led conspiracy primarily by uh, primarily by money from communist China. I'm sorry, that's exactly what's going on here. It's not not a, a scary bedtime story. It is, it is, we've established this. Yeah, it's an actual fact, and uh, I'm glad you point that out because, uh, folks, you're going to see a lot of uh, attempts to intimidate you as a voter. Go to the polls. Go vote and exercise your rights. If you don't, then the country that ends up being the, the United States of the future you haven't had your say in it. Uh, John, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, we'll be praying for you and praying for our country. Thank you, Rob. Same here for you. Thank you so much. Good, good. Looking forward to the next time. America's under attack, and they're all around us. I'm talking about liberal Democrats, and they're out to destroy everything that we've worked so hard for. Mammoth Nation's here to fight for you. You only get one vote, so let's join forces. We support conservative lawmakers and the causes you hold so dearly. We stand behind our police, veterans, the Second Amendment, and much more. We need your help, so join today. Friends, uh, we're very grateful that uh, retired Colonel John Mills came on and uh, re revealed uh, his knowledge about this terrible attempt to take down a duly elected president of the United States and, and really uh, to oppose the country itself. Uh, John is a patriotic American with a lot of courage, and we're going to support him. Write your congressman, write the president, write the heads of these agencies, and let them know that you know what they and their people have been up to and that we're not going to put up with it. Until next week, I'm Rob Manning.